You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 58 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and after a, a couple weeks absence and a role change on this podcast, he is back for a, I mean, I shouldn't say one time only, one time in a little while return performance. Uh, he is Carlos Colazzo. What's up, man? How's it going, Brad? Glad to be back after a, uh, a couple weeks. Uh, like you said, it's a new role, but uh, I have a feeling I'll be around here every once in a while to talk with you about uh, the Braves and today is opening day and currently the Yankees and their terrible uniforms are getting beat seven to two by the Tampa Bay Rays so it's a pretty good day get, get those hot takes in already at the top <laughs> of the podcast Carlos but uh, yes Carlos as I announced two weeks ago no longer on the talking chop staff because he actually has a as real as a real good job and a fun job so Carlos I, I said I said what people I told people what you actually are doing but I guess since you're here you can explain like what you're actually doing with baseball America because it's pretty cool yeah, it's fun. Um, I am in it. Uh, my official title is an editorial assistant with Baseball America, um, but I'm going to be focusing on high school coverage and then helping uh, Hudson Belinsky and their whole staff out with uh, the MLB draft coverage. Um, so for me, I'm in charge of uh, basically handling the high school top 25 list that we do every two weeks. Uh, we'll be updating that this week if you're curious about the uh, top prep teams in the country. Um, but basically, I am going to be helping Hudson with the MLB draft coming up. Obviously, that's their their big thing over the next couple months. This past week, I actually got to see some of the top prospects, t- some of the top prep prospects in baseball at the uh, National High School Invitational. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm assuming some of you do. Uh, that was pretty much my entire feed. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot of high school baseball for me and uh, hopefully getting into some college games as well. Uh, and then pretty much whatever they want me to do, uh, I know it's the role is high school, but for me, I'm I'm happy to write about anything they'll let me write about. It's baseball, after all. It's uh, super exciting for me. I interned with them back in 2014, and I'm excited to be uh, in the office working with these guys on a more uh, full-time capacity. So really excited moving forward with Baseball America, obviously. Yeah, I'm happy for you, but uh, today, you know, we'll do mostly Brave stuff because, listen, you said it was opening day. Opening day for the Braves is tomorrow as we record this. <laughs> on Sunday afternoon, but I'm going to post this thing on Sunday early because normally we wait to post at least on the site until uh, Monday. But uh, listen, the Braves play a baseball game in less than 24 hours as, as, of, time of, the, as, as of time of this recording. So uh, a lot to get to on today's podcast. The final roster is out, uh, barring some sort of last-minute trade or something, something crazy from the Braves between now and Monday. We know who the 25 guys are, and there's a little bit of a surprise in terms of what the Braves elected to do. I guess we can start with that. Um, the Braves elected to go with a seven-man bullpen, which I was definitely okay with. We talked about that a couple times on the podcast. But the last, the fifth bench spot is going to be occupied by catcher Anthony Recker as the Braves are carrying three catchers. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't ever think it's a good idea to carry three catchers unless one of those guys really is just like a really good hitter and you're, you're going to use him in a pinch-hitting role. Uh, I know we talked about before we started recording that some people were excited about Anthony Recker's offensive abilities. I think that's probably a mirage. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to be a, a positive hitter off the bench. Um, he hit 278, 394, 433, and 100 plate appearances last year with the Braves, but that's definitely an outlier uh, for his career. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think there are better players. I think Rio Ruiz is a guy we can talk about that we would, me and you personally, would rather have on the bench. Um, but if the Braves are worried that he's not going to get enough playing time, I guess I can buy that argument. I just don't. The bench is bad. I mean, <laughs> me and you have talked about this before. So, I mean, 
Yeah, that, those are my thoughts. What, what do you think? The bench is bad. There's no question about that. And listen, <laughs> no matter what the Braves did with this fifth spot, if they carried five or four, the bench was going to be bad. So we should say that. It's not like Anthony Record makes this bench bad. It already was going to be. But uh, you mentioned Record. I got a couple questions um, into the podcast about sort of Record being more of an offensive-focused guy. Um, and listen, last year he was good in a small sample. But uh, for his career in 623 Major League at bats, uh, sorry, player appearances, he has a 635 OPS. Uh, which is, you know, not good for anyone. I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world for a backup catcher, but considering the fact that he really is the third guy who I assume will be the pinch hitter of the two because Kurt Suzuki is not known for his bat. Uh, he's more of a defensive catcher, to be sure. So a situation where uh, Wrecker, I, you know, if you carry three catchers, the, I guess the reasoning behind that would be that you want to be able to use one of them as a pinch hitter if you want to. Uh, I, I don't love that, but again, you know, I, I assume it's going to be Wrecker who's going to be the pinch hitter, and he's not that great of a hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think the Braves might have been fooled a little bit by last year. Um, but moreover, aside from Rio Ruiz, I think the, I think the Braves probably just decided long ago that they were not going to carry Rio because I think it's pretty clear that he would be the best option. It's just whether you want to have him up to not play full-time. So I understand that to an extent. And because there really wasn't anybody else, and you're talking about uh, the guys who were already on the team, uh, who were expected to be on the team, and Chase Darno and uh, Emilio Bonifacio, neither one of those guys are exactly uh, inspiring choices, and they were they were givens. So uh, that kind of tells you how bad the roster was going to be either way, and the Braves don't really have another obvious option. I just would have preferred Ruiz, or even, uh, honestly, I, I would have preferred a, a true outfielder of some sort, even if it was a guy who was off the radar like Matt Tuasasobo, something mm-hmm. like where it was an actual outfield option, because right now the fourth outfielder on this team is, is, is a Emilio Bonifacio with, mm-hmm. I guess, Jace Peterson as the other option, but um, I don't think you keep Bonifacio unless you're planning on playing him in the outfield. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in short, the bench is bad. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the questions we got, actually, we can get to now from William Ash, uh, asks, is this the worst bench in all of baseball? And I'm tempted to say yes, although oh man, I, I, I will cop to the fact that I did not look through every single bench in baseball before this question, before the podcast, but it'd be hard to find a situation where, at least offensively, there'd be a worse bench because there's not really one even average offensive player on the bench right now. Yeah, I, I was kind of trying to pull up Fangraph's uh, projections. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get them up to look at all of them, kind of drop that one in on me. But yeah, it's got to be <laughs> up there. I mean, th- like we said before, there's no one on the bench who can hit. Uh, I think I talked about earlier when we were still debating on who was going to make the bench that I, I really thought that Bonifacio was going to make the bench. He was going to end up being on there, and we both kind of scoffed at that because I feel like you're more down on Bonifacio than I am, but he is what he is at this point. He's not really going to do much for you other than play outfield a bit better than Matt Kemp does, which isn't saying much. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wrecker, going back to Wrecker, last year the one encouraging thing for him is that he cut his strike his strikeout rate a ton he strikes out uh, a career rate at like 38% of the time, 30.8%, excuse me, percent of the time. Last season, he dropped that down to 19.6%, which is pretty drastic. But at the same time, his batting average on balls in play was 343, and his career mark for that is 268. And he, so, runs, like a, he, he runs like a catcher, so I can't imagine yeah. an actual bat hit of 343. Yeah, it's, it's significantly above his career mark that's definitely going to regress back down to, to what it's, it should be for him. Uh, it is encouraging that the strike, the strikeout rate is down. Um, maybe he just got a little bit lucky for that short period of time. Maybe he's done something or is, uh, is, is being a little bit more selective in what he's doing at the plate. That gives you a little bit of hope, I guess, if you want to be optimistic. Uh, I don't think me and you are known for being optimistic in this space, but I guess that's your one little nugget if you're looking for something. Yeah. I mean, uh... And again, I did not go through every single one of these benches, but uh, I mean, there's, there's some guys who can play quality defense. Obviously, you know, Kurt Suzuki I mentioned is a pretty good, a pretty good defensive catcher. Jace Peterson's obviously a pretty good defender at a couple of different places. Um, you know, Chase Arnaud is kind of just what he is at this point. But I don't know. It's a situation where the Braves don't have one guy I'm comfortable with as a pinch hitter on the entire bench. Uh, would you agree with that? Just off the top, is there one guy you'd be confident with at, at the plate? I guess Jace is probably the best hitter, and that's kind of scary. Oh, yeah, definitely. Jace is the, the guy that I would most want to see up just because he's the most exciting hitter on the bench to me. But uh, even with his solid year last season, he's not a great hitter. He's never no. been a great hitter, but I would agree with you. I think he's the best hitter that you have coming off the bench. I mean, last season he was uh, he had a 95 WRC+, plus, which is just below league average. And for a, a bottom-tier team like the Braves, I guess that's what you should expect expect from your bench players. Um but okay. yeah, I don't. You don't have a right-handed bat. I mean, Wrecker's that guy. I guess they just really wanted a righty. Chase Darno, baby. Oh man. 
Yeah. I guess. But yeah, <laughs> we, we don't have to keep touching on the bench. This is depressing, but. It is. It, listen, it, it's the worst part of the team by far. <laughs> so on the bright side, this is obviously the worst part of the team. And uh, go back to Jace real quick before we move on. It's like, yeah. I really like Jace, but the reason why I like Jace has very little to do with his bat. It's the fact exactly. that he's a great athlete and a good defender, can play mm-hmm. everywhere. He can and play a lot of positions. He won't embarrass you at the plate. But uh, if he's your best bench, uh, your best bench bat, you're in deep trouble. So not a great thing to say there. Uh, and, you know, of course, the Braves could add someone midseason. There's not, there's obviously not a question. They could add somebody by tomorrow. That's not crazy. So if you're listening to this and the Braves made a move Sunday night, um, they ignore all this. But, uh, yeah, uh, the bench <laughs> is not good. Uh, Anthony Recker's on the team and uh, no Rhea Ruiz. We can come back to him later if we want to. Um, to the bullpen, the, o- the only other spot that was up for grabs was that final spot in the bullpen. Uh, the Braves are going to be going with Chaz Rowe over David Hernandez. Uh, earlier this week, they cut Kevin Chapman, who was going to be the third option as a left-handed uh, reliever. Um, the Braves, at that point in time, were basically deciding whether they were going to go with six right-handers or only with only with five. Uh, they elected to go with five, obviously, with the extra bench the extra bench spot. Are you okay with Rowe over Hernandez? And of course, we should also mention that Mauricio Cabrera uh, is on the is on the DL with a uh, with an arm issue, which is not not ideal. But hopefully, he'll be back pretty soon. But uh, I guess the one decision they actually made was uh, Rowe over Hernandez. So does that move the needle at all for you? Um, not really. Uh, I think it'll there'll be a few weeks where the Braves are going to kind of figure out what their bullpen's actually going to be like. I expect a lot of movement uh, with this group in the first few weeks. Uh, obviously, the Braves have a few uh, off days. They don't really need a ton of relievers. I'd expect them to kind of expand this bullpen after the first few weeks of the season. But uh, Cabrera is really the interesting one. I mean, this is a guy who has the most exciting arm on the team just from like a raw velocity standpoint. Um, you hope he's not out too long. Um, you don't. You don't want to see that. But I feel like this is kind of inevitable with bullpens. You're going to get injuries, and this is. It's a good thing the Braves had a lot of arms that they can throw out there. Um, I don't really know a ton about these guys, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do moving forward. But uh, I'm not going to pick any nits with the bullpen uh, on opening day. Yeah, it's the same with me. I think. You know, going off paper alone, it looked like it looked to me as if Hernandez was probably a little bit better pitcher than Rowe. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I didn't get to see a ton of these guys in spring training. I don't want to go a lot by the numbers because I just don't care about spring training numbers. So you know, yeah. Rowe was famously out of options, so they kept him, which doesn't surprise me. He was decent last year. He struck out actually eleven batters per nine in about thirty appearances in the majors. Had a FIP of about three point oh five. So he's a pretty decent pitcher. If he's your last guy, you're, in, mm-hmm. you're probably in decent shape there. And uh, when Cabrera comes back, well, you know the, the Braves will actually have to make, a, make a decision with with one of these guys, or they'll be able to, uh, you know, maybe carry one less bench player, etc. So your point is a good one, though, and that the Braves could make a lot of different changes here in the next couple of weeks. They have, I believe, I believe they have three off days in the first like two weeks of the season, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. And uh, I guess would illustrate why you would carry three catchers, except for the opposite. It's kind of, <laughs> it's like, wait, why are you carrying three catchers if you have all this off time? Anyway, but um, I don't know. The Braves, these these moves are something to talk about, but at, this, at the same time, uh, not not to get too crazy on uh, even if you disagree with them because uh, a lot can happen between the now and even when the schedule ramps up later on in April. Um, a couple other things before we move on here. Uh, John Heyman uh, actually noted in his uh, in his note, in his notes column this week for FanRag Sports, and uh, you should be following John Heyman if you're not already. He's tremendous. Uh, he actually talked about Rhea Ruiz and said that some scouts are calling him the and I, and I quote the most improved player that they've seen in spring training. That sort of uh, raised my eyebrow and a lot of people's eyebrows for the Braves. And uh, you know we talked about him not being on the team. Um, one of my bold predictions later on has to do with Rhea Ruiz that we'll save. But uh, are you okay with Rio not being on the team? And we kind of we, t- we talked around it, but I want to at least get you on the record here as, as to what you think Rio is going to what's going to happen with Rio here uh, as the season moves along. Because I think a lot of people hope that he'd be on the team, including us. But uh, are you okay with having him in Gwinnett, and are you encouraged by that little note from Heyman? Yeah, definitely encouraged by Heyman's note. Uh, obviously, it's good whenever you hear that uh, some of your prospects are doing well. Uh, I am pretty okay with him starting in, in Gwinnett, I assume, is where he's going to be. I don't, the minor league rosters haven't been officially set, but I don't know why. If he's not in Gwinnett, if he's not in Gwinnett yeah. burn, burn, burn everything to the ground. I'll say that. Yeah, that, that wouldn't make sense. But yeah, I'm fine with it. Um I guess if if they don't think that he's going to play regularly, like I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I would rather him be playing every day at the AAA level. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be down there. I know last last year we talked a little bit about how Rio is a guy who I, I could kind of see them moving slower with just because his, his swing has so many different moving parts to it and it had been so up and down for him in the past. So if they really want to go slow with him, um, it's kind of antithetical to what they're doing with some other prospects. 
But if they don't anticipate a lot of playing time for him this season or early in the year, if they want to really let Adonis get out there and see if he can be a better defender um, than he was early last season, then I'll, I'm fine with it. I think his bat is pretty exciting. Uh, I want to see him at the major league le- level regularly, but uh, I'll trust the Braves to to know when he's ready more than my opinion on that. So it's fine with me. Uh, I do. I would rather have this than him sitting on the bench. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. If, if the Braves were locked into playing Adonis all the time, which I disagree with, but if that's that, that was the decision, I just feel like making, they are. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's either if the question if it, if it's if the, if the choices are either have Rio be a pure bench player or be in AAA, then yeah, AAA. Um, for me, I would have just had him in a platoon at, 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 the, at the very worst at the major league level. But, uh, you know, they've seen more of them than I have. So we'll, we'll defer on this one a little bit. But hopefully Rio will be up soon. If only because I'll be right about a prediction that I have later on in, in the podcast. <laughs> uh, before we get to those predictions, and I want to run through those a lot at the, end of the, at the end of the show here. A couple of minor league things actually from your place of employment, uh, Baseball hey, America. Shout I mean, out. I mean, shout I mean, out, Baseball America. I believe that was J.J. Cooper. Is that correct? Yeah, that is. Uh, he wrote about um, the minor league proje- uh, rot- rotation projections for the Braves. Had a couple of interesting notes there. I can read those to you. But I think the biggest uh, item of news in the minor leagues was the fact that uh, all three of the Max Freed, Colby Allard, Mike Soroka trio are going to skip high A and go to Mississippi. A lot of people thought that, thought that was a little bit aggressive. Did, what, what was the first thought you uh, had when you saw that? Because I think Freed was sort of assumed to be going to Mississippi, but the other two were sort of uh, at least a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh- Patrick Weigel is a little less surprising than the other two, but I mean, I feel like this is kind of something that had to happen eventually. You look at the amount of depth that the Braves have with their pitchers in the low minors, and there are only so many spots in the rotation on those teams, so someone's going to have to get moved aggressively. Uh, I think these are the guys you'd want to see. I mean, you look down and see guys like Tuki Toussaint. You probably don't want to go quicker with him, so they probably chose the right guys to move forward. I think this has a lot to do, maybe just as much to do with just finding space and innings for these guys in the minors as it does for the Braves just pushing them. Uh, I know Copy talked about how he wanted to challenge these guys, and he truly believes that the really good players are going to arrive at the major league level uh, sooner than than the normal track record for, for average prospects, I guess. Uh, so if, they can, uh, if they're as talented as the Braves believe they are, they're going to succeed at this level. Uh, it might be a few bumps in the road early on, but um, I'm excited to see what they do with this promotion. Uh, they are like 19 years old. In Double A, I think, uh, yeah, Soroka. Soroka and Allard are both nineteen still. Soroka and Allard are both nineteen. Freed is a little bit older. He's had the in- in- injury history. He's actually like a couple months older than me, so he's like twenty three right now. Oh, uh, Patrick hum- Weigel, hum- humble, humble brag of youth there by Carlos, <laughs> by the way. Patrick Weigel is also twenty two, so those guys aren't too surprising. I think Freed probably needs to be there. You, you kind of ha- have to start pushing him a little bit, just given his age and and what he's done in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not too surprising to me. It's exciting. Uh, if you look at some of these minor league rotations, you can check out JJ's post uh, at Baseball America, obviously. But I mean, you just look through them, and there are names in every every level of the Braves minor league system. They're really exciting prospects. I mean, you got Sean Newcomb, who's probably the guy in AAA. Luke Jackson's interesting. Lucas Sims has stuff. He's struggled lately, obviously. Then you've got Allard, Soroka, Weigel, Freed, Double A. That rotation right there might be the best in the entire system as far as results on the field. Um, then high class A, you have Luis Guajara, Tuki Toussaint, um, and a couple other guys who are less interesting than those two. Low class A, Ian Anderson, Joey Wentz. I mean, there are guys everywhere. So it's going to be fun to watch the Braves minor league system this year. And if you guys want to know about them, J.J. Cooper, like he's a huge Braves dude. He's really locked into their system. And I know he's he's talked about the Braves a lot just on Twitter. So uh, it's going to be exciting to talk with him about them moving forward as well. Oh, that was a good plug. Your, your employer should be happy with you on, on that one, my friend. <laughs> but no, it's. I think I forget. I forget who actually said this on Twitter, but I thought it was interesting. There's an argument to be made that the least intriguing rotation is AAA, which is hilarious because uh, Newcomb. Oh like, yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it's either that or I mean, to be fair, like the high class A uh, does have Gohara and Tucson, and the other three guys are not exactly. Uh, it's either AAA or the majors. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> But yeah, AAA, no, I guess I mean, Tehran and Fulte are pretty interesting. Bartolo is like inherently interesting, so maybe you're right. But I mean, yeah, the AAA's... thing is, the AAA rotation, you know, you, you know all the guys between Newcomb, Lucas Sims, Matt Whistler, Aaron Blair, and Luke Jackson. Those are all kind of, you know, household-ish names for Braves mm-hmm. prospect guys. But, you know, some of those guys between, you know, Sims is sort of divisive. But I think we can probably agree that Whistler and Blair are not terribly exciting at this point in time. Uh, I think I'm going to stick to Whistler being exciting. And I was a little uh, down on him the last time I was here, but Matt Whistler's my Whistler. boy. 
I know it's fine. I like I'm, I'm rooting hard for Matt Whistler to be good, but I, you know, I'm kind of in the believe it when I see it mold with Matt yeah. at this point in time. But still, uh, all that to say, all all five of these, uh, you know, if you if you include the majors, I guess all four of the minor league rotations are very interesting. And there's also a guy, a little nugget in that same post. Uh, was about Kyle Mueller, a second-round pick last year, uh, one of the interesting guys uh, who have some high upside. Um, he's actually going to be held in, in, in extended spring training, according to this report from J.J. Cooper, after sort of a late start in spring training, but uh, looks to be headed to Rome um, at some point whenever he's ready to go. Does that scare you off at all? I guess it's just something that's basically just news, but uh, do you have any reaction before we move on? Um, not a ton of reaction there. Uh, I like Kyle Mueller. Yes. I'll say that. Yeah, I do. He's, he's definitely an interesting guy, along with all these guys. I mean, really just... Like looking at all these rotations just really kind of shows you. I mean, we talk about the pitching depth all the time, but when you actually see all these names in in potential rotations, you really get a feel for how much pitching the Braves have, and it's really exciting. So, uh, if Miller is interested, there are plenty of guys who can kind of step up and get you excited again. Yeah, there are there are plenty of, of uh, systems in the major and as far, as far as major league baseball teams that don't have one rotation as intriguing as every single one of the rotations are in the shout minors out for the Braves. The Padres. Yeah, shout out to San Diego Padres and others, but I mean even if you pick the your, your least your least fun one, it, that would look really good in a lot of in a lot of systems. So, uh, shout mm-hmm. out to the Braves for compiling all that talent. Uh, one mailbag question on the minor leagues before we go on, on to some prediction stuff comes from Ty Green, and he says, "If Ronald Acuna and Christian is it Pache? Did we decide? Is it Patch or Pache? I, don't I think know. Eric said it was Pache. Right? I, I trust Eric, so we'll say that. I don't. I don't know to be honest. I you, don't you, I'm you, terrible you, with names. <laughs> we always do this. I, uh, <laughs> you guys know who we're talking about. If if those two guys continue to grow this year, do the Braves look to trade in the trade in Enciarte while while he's in his prime and with his value sky high with a great contract? Uh, my answer is always to say no, but I'll ask you before I answer it. Yeah, I don't like not to knock on Ty's question, but I, why would you do that? Because if if those guys are going to come up and play like Acuna showed in spring training, then guess what? You're getting rid of Nick Markakis and Matt Kemp, and you're going to have a great outfield with Ender Enciarte and those two. I mean, it's way down the line for them to be playing regularly in the majors, but can you imagine an outfield of those two with Enciarte if they're going to come close to what what their potential is? Why would I don't understand why you have to trade Inciarte to get those guys in the outfield? I mean, Inciarte's played right field before. I'm I'm assuming both those guys can play the corners if they're playing center field. So uh, I have no idea why you would want to trade Inciarte away. He's a guy on a, a really good contract, great value. Uh, is one of the best center fielders defensively in the game. So no, my short answer is no. I guess I think the bigger theme, the really reason why I included the question, and mm-hmm. uh, thanks for asking it, Ty. By the way, um, thanks, Ty. It's just one of those things where people are really, uh, incur- I don't know, fast to want to move guys uh, either off positions yeah. or trade them to, because they're blocking. You know, another question I got came about um, from about Austin Riley going to a corner outfield position because of the fact that the Braves also have uh, Travis Demerit and Kevin Maton, etc. It's like, guys, you don't have to make that decision until they get to the majors or even exactly. close. Um, guys that are in single A, uh, you don't need to worry about kind of getting moved. I mean, Riley and those guys are a little bit above that, but still, it's one of those situations where don't worry about it. I, it's also, fun. like, this this kind of touches back to what we we're talking about with the bench. Like there are barely any outfielders on the major league roster as it is, so you can't really get away with trading your only outfielder, your only real. I outfielder. mean, the most obvious one that everybody keeps talking about is Travis Demerit and Ozzy Albies, both being in the in the system together and both probably being second baseman long term. Like and yeah. even and even that one, like it's probably too early to talk about moving either one of those guys away from second base. It's definitely and also like when you really get to these questions is when you think. I guess in my mind, if if you really have a serious issue with players blocking one another, I guess you can evaluate that. But the Braves still aren't going to be competing in my mind. They're not there yet. They haven't shown it. So until we see that, like you're trading these guys for what uh, and and for why? Like I don't I don't I think it's just too soon. I don't know why you're you're going to be doing that. Like if you're on the cusp of competing and you have one hole that you can fill by trading these guys, and that's going to kind of put you over the top. I can definitely see that, but. Right now, you're kind of still hoping these guys are improving and you're building up all this depth so that you can compete and then you deal with where you need to move them if you need to change positions or, or deal them. But I think we're we're very early on in the process for that. Yeah, this is also the same organization that just that just had their two top, their top two prospects being at shortstop and didn't move either one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just so everybody knows. I mean, obviously, Albies is going to be playing second base now um, because y- you can't have Dansby Swanson move at this point in time. But, like, even then, like, they knew that the whole time Go they had Swanson. Yeah, it's it's never going to happen. So, you know, just relax. When they get there, the Braves make a decision on whether they need to trade or move somebody if they need to. But uh, 
plenty but of time. You do that. you do see the Astros though with uh, Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman. I mean, those Alex Bregman's playing third. He's perfectly capable of playing shortstop. Um, so so that's something the Braves can do. If their bats are going to play, you find a position for them. If you're going to play shortstop, if you can capably play shortstop, if you've got the arm, you can definitely play third, and you almost all anywhere. of them can play second. So. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like a lot of that, you know, because Correa played third base in, in the WBC. There was this whole movement about whether he should be playing third in the Astros, and they moved. <laughs> and it's like, guys, they're not going to move Correa off shortstop. Yeah. At least not right now. Maybe later, but uh, I doubt that's happening anytime soon. But hey, well, I don't want to get sidetracked. But uh, I don't know it's it's too much to uh, talking about. It's a good problem about. to have. Yeah, it's a good problem. That, that's that's the best way to put it. All right, Carlos, it's time to pin you down on some stuff. Um, yes. Those of you who are, are unfamiliar, uh, Talking Chop put out a series of, of a season predictions post sort of roundtable fashion this week. If you missed those, I still, have to, I still have to go read that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm going to read it. Go check those out. Um, I was included, of course, on the panel. You know, Scott Coleman, Chris Willis, Eric Cole, our whole staff. Um, was uh, weighed in on all these, and uh, I'm still going to say my answers here, but I would encourage you to go read them. Yeah. But because Carlos is not on the staff anymore, I can ask him exclusively on this podcast, and I have no idea what he's going to say because he didn't tell me ahead of time. So Also, there's... There's a zero. There, there's a non-zero percent chance that I prepared before this. So, oh, let's just was there let's prep? See. Was there prep, Carlos? Interesting. There might have been. Uh, okay, we'll go to the there easy. May not have been the two easy ones first. <laughs> um, the first question uh, basically is who is who will be the position player MVP for the Braves? Uh, I'll say mine first, and uh, I think we all kind of said Freddie Freeman's the obvious uh, answer. That's actually the right answer. But if you had to go uh, non-Freeman division, I went with Ender Inciarte because of the defense and just the safety that he has. Even if he doesn't hit, I think there's a uh, I think he's gonna be like a, he'll be like a three-win player, even if he's just okay at the plate. So mm-hmm. I'll say Ender uh, to you, sir. I guess Freeman's the obvious one, but if you couldn't go with Freddie, who are you picking? Yeah, like you said, Freeman was a legit MVP candidate in the National League, so he'd definitely be my team MVP outside of him. Um, I know I've knocked Ender Inciarte uh, offensively as far as maybe calming people down with the hype they got, but I think I would lean with Inciarte. You look at the outfield, it's not very good. I think he is one of the most elite defensive players, uh, and he's going to be at the top of the lineup the whole year. Uh, I think he'll be... Yeah, I, I'll go in. I'll, I'll just go with Ender. Uh, I, I thought about taking Dansby, but I think I think Ender's a little bit safer at this point. Yeah, Ender's a lot safer. And by the way, is there a dog in the background? Because shouts to the dog if there is one. Oh, shout, shouts to the pug that my dad got the other day. Very Sorry. nice. He's wild. No, it's good. It's, it's just faint <laughs> enough where it won't distract him. He's in the other room. Come it's on, okay. Jack. I heard it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> all right, the next one might seem as obvious, but uh, I know at least one one member of our staff did not take Julio Tehran for this. Um Pitching MVP, uh, Julio is my answer, and I will not, I will not provide another one. Um, but uh, somebody else did not take Julio, so we won't. I'll, I'll let you have Julio if you want him. Uh, but All go right. ahead and take him if you'd like. Did, did someone else take Mike Fultonevich? That was the, that was the pick. I, I will not tell was you it, who, who was it, but uh, can, yes. I, can I guess who it you, was? You can guess. Yes. Was it Eric? It was not Eric. Was it Scott? It was Scott. Yes. Okay. Scott has right. Mike Fultonevich. Uh, I think he knows he's being out on a limb here. Uh, but and he and and you'll, you you can read it you can read it and see why he said that. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm going with I'm going with Julio because I think Julio is just that much better than everybody else. But your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think it's Julio. He's he's put up a pretty pretty good track record over the last three seasons as far as being a consistent young pitcher. I mean, he's a he's a pretty legitimate number two starter in any rotation. I would argue uh, number two, number three in, in an elite team. Uh, for the Braves, he's their he's their ace, quote unquote. I mean that word's pretty divisive, but uh, I'd go Julio. I mean he's just been so good lately. He's so consistent. Um, yeah, it, these two are kind of easy at first. I feel like they're the. I don't want to be boring with these, but at the same time, like I'm not just gonna pick someone random. That's I'm what, not gonna say all right, Dicky, just to be different. That's why we started with these. They'll be easy. Uh, okay, the rest of them are sort of not quite as obvious. Um, the next one I'll ask you is the biggest surprise, and just so you know, the staff. Treated, there's biggest surprise and biggest disappointment. So surprise is on the positive side of things. I will let you okay. go first. Without 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 revealing mine, I will I will let you go first on this one. Biggest surprise. I think Brandon Phillips is going to be solid. That would be a surprise gets, to me until he gets replaced. Uh, maybe this isn't a surprise to some people, depending on your perspective of, of Brandon Phillips. But when he was acquired, uh, my reaction was kind of meh. Uh, he's a body that can play second. Uh, I'm down on the bat. I don't think I think he's trending down. I think I've talked about this before. Uh, but biggest surprise, uh, there's been some pretty good chemistry defensively with Swanson and and Phillips early on. Not to make too big a deal of that, but I think uh, the biggest positive surprise for the Braves will be that Brandon Phillips is pretty solid for the for the team. When you say pretty solid, I'm wondering what that means to you because of the fact right, so, that 
people think he's like there's some people that think he's gonna be an all-star again which is not happening but like is he get, you know it's pretty solid like you know tell me what that means to you just i don't want to pin you down too hard but I, I i'm actually curious because i'm not really sure what that means Okay, yeah. So pretty solid for me. For Brandon, in, in regards to Brandon Phillips, does not mean an all-star again. Um, I think that being on this team, we'll see Phillips walk a little bit more, which he walked 3.1 percent of the time last season, which is terrible. Uh, I think he's going to be right around a league average hitter. Uh, the last three years, he's been a below average hitter. I think he's going to. For whatever reason for this prediction, I think that he'll do better. I guess being with Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson in the lineup might help a little bit. Uh, and I think that he'll play solid defense. Again, this might be uh, maybe not as exciting. Uh, I think he's going to be basically like a two, one to two win player. Is that is that too uh, conservative to even no, that's the biggest surprise? That's good. I was actually about to read this, but uh, his Zips projection – um, for this season is uh, 277, 309, 377 slash line with an 82 mm-hmm. WRC plus and uh, just a little bit above average defense for a 0.7 fan yeah. war, which is that's so you're higher on you're higher than that, which is encouraging. Um, yeah. Think, so in his entire career, okay, I guess excluding the first few years, his OBP hasn't been that low for pretty much his entire career, excluding 2014. Right. Last two years is 328, 320. So again, trending in the wrong direction, but. Let's just go with uh, Phillips for the biggest surprise for me without getting too into the weeds and looking into the numbers too much. Here's this is supposed the, to be a gut thing, right? Is it is. It is. It's fine. No, it's fine. Uh, here's a little secret about <laughs> Brandon Phillips is that he's never been good at getting on base ever. Uh, yeah. he, had, well, he, had, he has one season his entire career in which he has a, a an OBP over 350, um, and that was 2011. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, when, even, even when Phillips was really good, it was because his batting average was high. He was really, really, really good defensively. So would it would it surprise you that his best uh, war year was also 2011? Uh, no, because getting on ba- uh, getting on base <laughs> matters uh, more than most most you would, things. You would think. Uh, but yeah, no, Phillips. Uh, actually, we'll bridge in a second. But I will say my my, my positive biggest surprise is uh, I think Rio Ruiz is going to start a hundred games at third base. That would be awesome. Uh, and that's because uh, mostly because I, I, I didn't include this, but mostly because I think Adonis is not very good, and people will finally figure that out. And I think by, you know, I think Rio will be will be up by at the by the end of May at the very very latest, and then from there he's going to play more often than he sits, and to the point where he'll be, he'll become the full time starter by the end of the year. That's my wild. It's that's sort of a wild aggressive one. I think a hundred games was just yeah, felt like a, mine seems lame compared to well, that. Well, no, I think I think a hundred games is probably too aggressive. I think that was just sort of a round number. If I was being you know actual, I would say half like maybe eighty one starts for Rio is probably more realistic than a hundred. Mm-hmm. But as a combination of him being him being good at AAA right away and him getting called up and the fact that like I think Brian Snicker is going to look down and say um, Rio is better than Adonis Garcia once he's actually in the, in the dugout and you can see what Adonis actually is and again he was you know Adonis was better than I thought he'd be uh, last year for the full season so if he can do that again then more power to him but I, I'm not a believer I would probably never be a believer in Adonis so uh, I, don't, I don't want to be too unfair to him there but I think it's more about Rio uh, being more intriguing and the fact that uh, this Braves team may not be super duper awesome early on <laughs> so they'll have a reason to uh, play the young guy and invest in him so I'll, I'll say we, we see a lot of Rio Ruiz by the end of the season. Um, next question is biggest disappointment. Now I'm going to go first because I'm going back to Brandon Phillips. He's my biggest disappointment. Uh, if only because I think, I think the, uh, the zips projection and the steamer projection, which both have him uh, less than one war are actually going to be too high. How about that? Wow. Okay. So we're, we're different on Brandon Phillips. We are. I, like I, I think we don't, I think, we don't disagree often. So I always get excited when we do. We don't because it's fun. I think Phillips, you know, offensively last season was pretty decent. You know, a, mm-hmm. a 92 WRC plus is not great. Uh, I think he could probably do that again, but I'm expecting the defense to get even worse because, yeah. again, he's uh, going to be, what, 36? He, he turns 36 years old in June. Uh, the defense is not – last year was the first year, I think, of his entire, like, at least for his since he became an actual full-time guy, uh, his worst defensive season by far. I think it's not going to get any better. Uh, you mentioned the chemistry with with Swanson that might, that might help things, and he'll probably make some highlight plays because he always has been good at doing mm-hmm. that. But I think the numbers are not wrong here. I'm expecting Phillips to lose his job probably by June 30th. You expecting all, all Albies to come take it? From I him? think Ozzy will be up and starting by July. That's that, and that seemed like that too much. That's that, that seemed like too much of an obvious one to go for biggest kind of surprise. Hope that yours yours is accurate, just so we can see Albies. Yeah, and you know my my stance on Albies is 
you know, well, well stated. I think he's more valuable to other teams than he is to the Braves, but still, I think he'll be better over a full season than Brandon Phillips right now. If you had mm-hmm. to ask me if I had to pick one of those guys. So, uh, they have every reason to get him up there by, by July. If they want to, that'll be past super two. He'll hang out till then. Unless Phillips is better than I think. I think we're still going to see Albies either way because the Braves have every incentive to do that. And, uh, listen, I hope Phillips is going to be good because it'd be, it'd be fun. And he's a, he's an entertaining player to watch. Um, especially defensively when he has it going, but I'm um, pretty pretty negative on Brandon Phillips, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, if if you had to pick a disappointment, sir, who would it be? So this is an interesting one as well because I guess both these with surprise and disappointment is kind of relative. Depends on what you think of the player uh, beforehand, but uh, from the perspective of the casual Braves fan, or at least my understanding of the casual Braves fan, I'm going to go with Matt Kemp. I would have uh, bet my soul that you're going with Matt Kemp. By the way, <laughs> I would have wagered everything fantastic. in my pocket. First, did anyone on the uh, staff go with Matt Kemp? Because it will make me happy, and I'll thank them if let, they did. Let me look, because I don't know. I'm All right, I can talk now. a little bit while yeah, you look. You but um, So Matt Kemp, last year with the Braves, they got pretty much the best version of him uh, offensively that they could have. In the second half, he hit 287, 339, 567, good for a 134 WR, R, the WRC+. Plus, excuse me. Uh, and then 20... No, 19 home runs in the second half of the season. Um, I saw a bad version of Matt Kemp with the Padres. Um, he still hit a little bit of a, a few home runs while he was with them, but I do think that the Braves are not going to get a 134 WRC plus version of Matt Kemp. Um, I've talked many, many times about how I think he's terrible in the outfield. Uh, Statcast backs that up. You watching him play the outfield backs that up. Uh, so I think. Uh, he's not going to be the glue of the lineup that many people thought he was. I still would would argue that he wasn't ever the glue of the lineup and helping Freddie Freeman become a great hitter or any of that nonsense. But um, yeah, Matt Kemp, biggest disappointment. I know a lot of people are excited about him getting into better shape. I uh, think he can suddenly learn how to play defense. But even when he was in the best shape of his uh, major league career, he was not a great defender. So yes, there it is. Agreed. Um, yeah, just for a little bit of perspective there, and I don't, I don't disagree with you necessarily. Um, last year, Matt Kemp hit 35 home runs for the full season and still managed to be worth less than one Fangraphs war. Uh, exactly. Because his defense is so bad. And listen, I, I don't want to go too far on this because I don't think war is the end-all, be-all when you talk about defense just killing a guy like Kemp. There is value to his bat, but he is so bad defensively that I think people are overestimating his uh, actual value. But uh, just offensively, I'm curious. Do you think he's going to replicate that offensive season this year? Just just purely offensively. Do you think he can do no. what he did last year? No, no I don't. Not, I the, think... not, not the Braves version. I mean for the full season. So full season, 35 home runs, three, 304 uh, on base, 499 slugging, and a 109 WRC+. plus. You, you go, you'll go under on those? So let's see. The Braves the version was years. too aggressive, I will say. Yeah, the three okay, three years before 2016, he hit 23, 25, and 23 home runs, uh, and then it spiked back up to 35. Uh, he's only had two years where he's hit more than 30 homers, so I'm going to take what I feel like is a safe bet and say no, he's not going to hit that many. Um, yeah, I just I don't think Matt Kemp is. I think Matt Kemp. I don't think Matt Kemp is a great baseball player. I think he would be a, a good, a solid DH somewhere. But if he's in the National League on a National League team. And playing the field regularly, I think he hurts you more than he helps you with with the bat. Uh, listen, that's not a, a crazy opinion. I'm sure a lot of Braves fans will hate it, but uh, I don't necessarily disagree. I think <laughs> I'm definitely higher on him than you are, but that would be impossible not to be higher on him than you are. Yeah, I, think. I might be the lo- the uh, biggest Matt Kemp hater in the universe. I do think playing the left field, um, most left fielders are bad defensively, so getting him out of right field is a good thing, just permanently having him play left field, because you know a lot of those no- numbers last year pre-Braves were playing uh, places other than left field, um, and left field is sort of where people go to die as defenders. So do you I think, think Matt Kemp is a better defender than Evan Gaddis in left field? Probably. Evan Gaddis was <laughs> horrific, so and that's not even a good example. Like, pick, if you... Pick, if- Pick someone, pick someone who's the, not absolutely abjectly terrible like Matt, like, like Evan Gaddis, and I'll probably say no, but I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I, 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 will, I will always crap on Nick Markakis' defense because he can't move, but Nick Markakis is so much better defensively than Matt Kemp. It's not even funny. And he's yeah, bad. And and like, Mar- Markakis like, is you, bad. You say that, and that's accurate, 100% yeah. accurate. I think that's not a good thing. It's not. Uh, so, you know, I, I think in general I'm with you. I think the bat matters a little bit more than most places when you're playing left field. It doesn't really matter, but... Yeah, he's not very good. Uh, just so you know, I looked it up. Chris Willis also agrees with you. 
on Matt Kemp as a disappointment this year. So uh, not a shock to me there that Chris is not a big Matt Kemp fan either. But I don't know. Shout out to Chris for that one. I hope you're wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're not. So there's that. Um, All right. All right, let's get off that and stop being so negative, Carlos. Jeez. Uh, yeah, sorry. No, um, okay, well, before we get out of here, I need your NL East standings um, from top to bottom. I can go first if you want time to prepare on this. I know, but I think you should go first just for consistency's sake. I have uh, a bit of a hot take here. I'm going to go. I'm going with the, Was- the Washington Nationals first, which is not a hot take. The New York yeah. Mets second, which is not a hot take. I'm going to go with the Braves finishing third. Wow. Which, by the way, is not it has a lot, a lot less to do with the Braves than it does with the other two, which you'll see in a second when I give you my final record prediction at the very end of the mm. podcast. Um, I will go with the Phillies fourth and the Marlins fifth. And that is, that is that's the take is to have Miami fifth. Uh, Miami's pitching is absolutely, absolutely horrific. Uh, and unfortunately, that's, a lot of that is because Jose, Fern- Jose Fernandez is not there anymore, and they obviously did not know that was going to happen. So that's really unfortunate. But uh, on the field, um, Miami's pitching staff is so bad that I just I don't see it at all. People seem to be thinking Miami's going to win 80 games or more, mm-hmm. and I just don't see it at all. I think they're going to win somewhere in the 70 range. I'm very, very low on Miami, so that's my order. Uh, I would not blow me away if the, if the Braves finish fifth by any means, but uh, I'll go with third and seem optimistic until you actually hear my projection for them. So uh, go ahead, sir. I, the floor is yours. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if the Braves finish in third, but I do like the uh... – the rationale you used and that the Phillies and Marlins are just really bad. Um, I think I'm going to just stand pat with my uh, projections or predictions that I had uh, a few months ago. I think I'm more down on the Marlins now as well, but I'm going to stick with what I had originally for uh, for consistency's sake, I guess, again. Uh, Nationals, I have them first. Then I have the Mets. I feel like that's pretty much the... Uh, I mean, it's 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 what everyone has. A few people will have the Mets over the Nationals. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way there. But Nationals, Mets, and then I'll go Marlins third, Braves fourth, and Phillies last. I think the Braves are going to improve from last season and be the fourth place team in the division. And I'm pegging them. Are we doing wins yet? I have my wins as well. Well, I'll let you go the first on that. I just, I just want to say this. I want to read. I want to read something to you in a second. Okay. And it's the Miami. It's the Miami. So here Marlins, was uh, here was your your plan was to have me. Say the Marlins were going to finish in third, and then bring up some well-researched article that is going to make me sound like an no. Idiot it's not or even an article. I want to read you five names, <laughs> and this is the projected Miami Marlins starting rotation: Edison Volquez, Dan Straley, Tom Kohler, Wei-Yin Chen, and Adam Conley. <laughs> that is the starting oh, rotation no. for the Miami Marlins, That's and that is why that and that is why they're fifth for me. They do have John a fit. They have, Stanton is going to just be the man this year. Their outfield's good. They're their outfield's awesome, fun. and they have D. Gordon back for a full season. Like their their lineup might not be terrible, but that rotation is one of the worst three. No, you're time. you're definitely right. They're going to pull a, a Colorado and just hit their way to the uh, playoffs. No, they're not going to go to the playoffs. In but Miami? I mean, Marcelo Zuna, Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich in the outfield—that's pretty exciting. I D. Gordon. I mean, they got they got a fun lineup. But yeah, the pitching's bad. It's so. so bad. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep on the Marlins, but uh, okay, Carlos, I'm letting you go. Actually, let me go first. I want you to bring up the rear here. My my Braves okay. record prediction for this season, with with the caveat that I have them third in the NL East, is 76 and 86. Oh my god, what a terrible division that would be. Uh, yep. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think with a gun to my head, I would have Philly like at 74 and 88, and Miami at like 71 and 91, something like that. Um. So yeah, 76 and 86. Uh, by the way, that would that would that's actually higher than the Braves over under number in Las Vegas, which is seventy four and a half. So you cannot accuse me of being too negative. I am higher. <laughs> it's than also Vegas. like a six win improvement from two thousand sixteen. Yeah, right? it's a, it's a big jump from last year. Uh, it's also higher than Vegas, and uh, so I will I will shed my negativity label here. I don't I don't see eighty wins. I think eighties at least. I think eighties like the reasonable ceiling for this team. If like everything mm-hmm. goes right, they could win somewhere in the neighborhood of 80, 81, 82 maximum games. Yeah. Um, if things go poorly, you get a free, you get a free to Freddie Freeman injury, injury, something like that. They could, they could, some, they could win somewhere in the seven, you know, the seventy range again. But uh, seventy six and eighty six would be would be my prediction. That's my published yeah. prediction. I'm wondering what you think, and also do do what I just did. Also, give, give me a reasonable, give me your final prediction as well as like a reasonable ceiling and a reasonable floor. Okay, all right, and then just for real quick, uh, I, I was a little surprised at first by your seventy six wins and also third, but that's not far off from what the National League East has been uh, last year. The Marlins finished third with seventy nine wins, and both the Phillies and Braves had fewer than that. I mean, the NL East has been kind of a bad division for a few years now, so it's not as surprising as I initially thought. But uh, my win prediction for the Braves is not far at all off from yours. 
Uh, I have them at 75 wins and 87 losses. Oh, you went lower. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I think th- I've pretty much stuck with this prediction since we started this. Uh, I've I've had a few people ask me what I thought the Braves were going to win. I've just kind of stuck with 75 because that's that's what my first prediction was, uh, and that's an improvement from 2016. I feel like people might not realize that when they hear me say 75, but that's a significant improvement from 2016. Uh, last year the Braves only won 68 games so that's a that's a pretty big jump um and then I guess ceiling and floor is that that what else we're doing yeah I mean reasonably like don't tell me the like if everybody has the best season of their career ceiling because that's yeah. probably somewore in the you know mid 80s to high 80s if something ever goes and if, obviously if Freeman and Enciarte and Tehran yeah. get hurt then they're gonna win 58 games uh, so reasonable yeah. ceiling and floor okay reasonable ceiling I think I wouldn't be surprised if Fulton uh, pitched well, and the old guys continued to to eat innings and be pretty productive. I mean, Bartolo Colon has been a really good pitcher the past few years. If he can keep that up, Fulton can the ne- take the next step, and the lineup uh, can be as good as some people think they actually are. Uh, 82 wins and, uh, I guess, competing, making a little run for a, a wild card spot wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if 82 wins would be enough to get that, but I guess that's the ceiling. I'd be shocked if they got much more than that. And then the floor, I guess... Uh, I mean, you never know what could happen. What, what they did last year, basically, winning 68? Is that like, yeah, if they won 68 guess, this year without like a massive injury, would that blow you here's away? Here's the thing last year they won 68 and they all they were terrible at the beginning and like really good offensively at the end. Yes, so yeah, I guess 68 is probably the floor. I mean, that seems I guess, like kind of a cop out. But. Here's the, the, the question for me, and the way I think about it is like, if, if you told me a number, would I be blown away by it? With no other information, why I'd be blown away. And if you told me they won 68 games, it would not blow me away. Like, it would be, mm-hmm. that's about the lowest I can think of. But, like, barring, I mean, I don't know. Even if, even if, even if you had just even relatively decent health, um, and that, that might include a DL stint from Freeman or something like that. And there's some guys on this team that are absolutely irreplaceable. If they lost Enciarte for a month, again, like last year, they'd be, they'd be up a creek. If they lost Freeman for any length of time, they're in deep trouble. Um, mm-hmm. There's some there's some spots here where they, they just cannot afford an injury. Um, so if the, if any of those guys actually go down, it could sink them in a hurry. But yeah, I don't know. 68 is about the lowest I could think of them doing it without being just like, whoa, what happened? Um, so yeah. you know that seems that seems low, and I understand that. But this team is you know the, the dirty little secret here is this team is not that much better than it was last year. The pitching staff is a lot safer than it was a year ago. But mm-hmm. aside from that, there isn't that much in the ter- in the way of upgrades. I mean, I think a full year of Swanson is obviously a huge upgrade on what they got last year at shortstop. But aside from that, it's a kind of status quo everywhere. Um, the outfield's the same as it was for most of last year. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yep. there you go. Uh, that's I don't want to end on too negative, too negative a note, but listen, <laughs> I want to point out again, both of us were higher than Las Vegas than Las Vegas is on the Braves. So yeah. we, we cannot be I was accused. barely higher. I was literally half a game higher. Listen, so. that's that's you're on the right side of history, my friend. Uh, okay, well Carlos, before I let you get out of here, man, I need a prediction from Monday night's uh, basketball game because you're all oh the moderns play, playing for the title on Monday against Gonzaga. And uh, <sighs> we talked about this before the before we recorded about how bad North Carolina looked on yeah. Saturday and a win, but uh, I'm wondering how <laughs> confident you are. On I mean, let me, let me just tell you this. I think I've lost at least five years of my life watching the Tar Heels play the past two games. Uh, one was a, a nail biter with Kentucky where Luke may of all people hit the game winning shot last night. It was against uh, Josh Norris, uh, another baseball America guy. Shout out to them again. Uh, his, his ducks were playing us and we literally both tried to just hand the game to the other team at the end. I don't know if you guys watched it. It was terrible. Uh, I don't think I've, I would ever expect it to have been that mad to be going to a national championship game after the game. I was pretty pretty upset with how they played. Gonzaga scares me. Uh, the Tar Heels haven't looked great, but we've also found uh, a, a lot of ways to win on the basketball court against some pretty good teams in the tournament. Um, I haven't been very optimistic the whole time. I've kind of been just terrified every game, and that continues again with the Gonzaga matchup. Oh, also, real quick, how do you pronounce Gonzaga? I say it the way you say it, but it could be either. I don't know. I don't know okay, the actual see, pronunciation. Another with the pronunciation. Uh, I'm gonna. Shouts, pre- shouts, I'm gonna by the way, shouts to Kyle Parmley, a Talking Shot contributor, yeah. um, who is actually a Gonzaga fan. I always root for them as well, but he's an actual oh, fan. We should. We, we probably should ask him. 
No. Oh, well. well, I'm going to have to like mute guys on Twitter if you're pulling for Gonzaga in the national. Actually, I can't be on Twitter. It's not that, that I'm rooting for yeah. them, Kyle. Is I, I I always root for Gonzaga. I mean, yeah. some of it this year is that I want you to you, I want you to be happy as my friend. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, here's the thing. Like, a, a part of me knows that I'm spoiled to be going to back to back national championships, but a part of me also feels like I deserve this because of the uh, horrific loss we had last year. So, I mean, I've got to predict a UNC win. I'm going to, but. Gonzaga has a bunch of huge dudes that terrify me. Uh, and Joel Berry, I don't know if he's going to be able to walk. So Yeah, I'm on record. I think, I think you're going to lose. I'm sorry for that. <sighs> Brett, no. uh, it'll, be a cl- it'll be a close game. I, th- I just think they're better, to be honest. Um, but well, if, if the Tar Heels lose, I'll just never come on the podcast again and blame it on you. So You already quit on me, Carlos. It's fine. You've already, <laughs> you've already, got, you've already quit on the kids. No, it's, uh, it's okay. I think it'll be a good game, though. Uh, hopefully a more entertaining game than that. That slog that was last night between Oof. your team. Hey, and, if we uh, win, I do Oregon. not care. Oh, you shouldn't, and you're a fan. That's that's how things work. If Michigan was playing, yeah. I wouldn't care how they got there. It's just that yeah. they got there. So, uh, well, thank you, sir, for being uh, here. I, I know we're yeah, not going to we're not going to have you as much as as much as uh, we used to have you on the podcast, but you'll still be a regular contributor. Um, probably less than Scott because Scott is going to be my uh, my go to guy from here on out. Well, that sounds like an upgrade for the podcast anyway. So it's good news for you listeners. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, best of luck with all your baseball America stuff. I know you and Thank I will you, sir. Keep, you and I will keep it up. Please follow Carlos on Twitter if you don't already. Even if you hate college, uh, high school baseball, uh, just fo- <laughs> also follow him. Also, between you and MLB draft stuff and just baseball in general. Just so. follow and mute him if you if you don't want to listen to high school, <laughs> high school baseball talk. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but thanks for doing this, man. Uh, hopefully, the Braves will uh, exceed our expectations this year, and we'll have a lot of fun during the year. But uh, for everybody, we'll be uh, here as always. And opening day is less than uh, I guess from the clock that I'm looking at right now. Opening day is 21 hours away, so we are almost there. There's baseball on TV. Things are happening. Hope springs eternal, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So uh, appreciate you, Carlos. Enjoy yourself, my friend. Thanks, buddy. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Do all those fun things. We'll be back again next week with actual baseball to talk about, which should be a lot of fun. And until then, enjoy your week, and happy baseball. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.